How's everybody doing? So uh, before I start, I just want to, um, you know, I always like to honor Miles and Lisa, and they're not here. I just love them. So if we could just pray, if we could just put our hands forward. Thank you. That's good on the mic. Uh, we're just going to pray wherever they are, Lord, right now, that you'd bless them, Lord. And, and this house is so grateful for their leadership and for their stewardship of what they've done here, Lord. And, and while they're away, Lord, we just ask that you would refresh them, that you'd touch them with your spirit afresh, with peace and love and boldness for what you've called them to. And so we just cover them right now with our prayers of this whole house. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. Yeah, so they are awesome, but we will hold things down while they're gone. I'm just getting set up here. So usually, you know, you guys know I love this book. It's always hard for me to prepare because it's hard. This thing's huge. And I'm like, Lord, where do you want to go? <laughs> what do you want to say? And so I'll wait on the Lord and I'll, I'll ask him to give me a message. And this time he was really like, it's, I don't want you to prepare a message to say the right or wrong thing and put so much pressure. I just want you to speak to my children out of the love of your heart and what I've put in your heart and the word. And so there's certain things that have been burdening me throughout the times, uh, the seasons that we're living in. So I'm going to touch a little bit on that because I just, uh, in talking to people and ministering to people, um, there's so much going on right now, right? And people are dealing with a lot. And we're going we're gonna to read into some of the end time scriptures. I kind of have a lot of scriptures, but I'll read quickly because it's important to touch on some of those scriptures in the end times because a lot of people are asking those questions because of the things that are happening. And so the Lord has spoken prophetically through his prophets and through individuals and myself included about what he wants to do with his church going forward in this season. It doesn't mean we're not in the last days, but this current situation we're going in, I don't believe is when the Lord's going to return. However, I strongly believe it is soon and very likely in our lifetimes, but we have to still be prepared for what God wants to do now because I see so many people getting discouraged and it's almost like, well, the Lord's coming back and everything's, everything's dark and, everything, and there's no breakthrough that people were hoping for. And, and I just want to remind you that when God was taking the Israelites out of Egypt, you remember there was a lot that went on. There were 10 plagues before Pharaoh actually had to go. And the Israelites were there for all of that. And so sometimes we have to endure the suffering for the greater good. That sometimes we have to hunker down in the presence of God. How many know tonight when we were in the presence and worshiping, there wasn't that fear, there wasn't that stress, there wasn't that anxiety because that's the key to everything is staying in the presence of God because he removes all that. He, he prepares a way for us. He has given us the tools to be able to survive through difficult times. And so when the shaking comes, it starts to expose those areas of, li of people's lives where it's not fully given over to the Lord. And so that's really what the Lord is doing right now in the shaking. The last time I was here, I, I think I shared, or one of the times I was here, I shared a a vision that the Lord had given me. I'm just going to share it again because it's very pertinent to what's going on. I was waiting on the Lord and I, I seen him in the middle of the world. And, and all of a sudden he was covered in darkness to where I couldn't see him anymore. And I shared this with you guys before. But then I heard him say it's for the greater good. And so I, he said it twice. And then I also heard at another time shortly after that, the Lord hates a liar. So at the time I, I didn't know what that meant. But as things began to unfold over the last two years, and he started to expose things and reveal things to me, it started to make more sense. So I know by the Spirit 
that the Lord is sovereign and he is working through all of the things that we see for the greater good, that he is bringing awakening. And that has been spoken of through the prophets. You know, the Bible says, listen to the prophets and you will prosper. So we have to take, it, it has to be coupled with the word and also what God is speaking through his people, right? And that guides us and the word is a lamp. So a lot of times in, in the Bible, there's types and shadows. So when we go through the Old Testament, there's God will do things in such a way where it's a type and a shadow of what is to come. And he does this so that we can see a pattern of how things work, how the enemy is working, and how God addressed it. And so we see in Revelation when it talks about uh, the end times and the Antichrist and something called Mystery Babylon. And this Mystery Babylon is what deceived the nations. And we're going to talk a, bit, a little bit about that tonight. But it's called Mystery Babylon for a reason, because it's a mystery. It's, it's, it, Babylon was a demonic empire that controlled the earth. And so it, it controlled all of the earth. And so when God is referring to this mystery Babylon, it's the same demonic empire that was controlling the earth before in leading men astray. But it, in, in the last days, it's going to be a mystery where, where people are unaware of these things that's going on. And we see that going on right now. It's a type and shadow of what is going to come. And I believe what God is doing right now is really his grace and his mercy and his favor because many people are not prepared for what's to come. And we've seen that in, in I know in my own life, uh, many people that are good people, they're believers, and you think they're solid and they get swept up in some deception. They get swept up in something with great intentions. Really, it, they're not bad people. It, it's not that they're falling out of mercy of God. It's not that they're not saved. But there is deception. And the Bible talks about it over and over and over again, that we must be awake. We must be, have our eyes open for what the enemy is doing. And so this mystery Babylon is, is going to deceive men through deceptive practices and pull them away from Jesus. And it's into a world system that is contrary to the kingdom system. So let's just go. I'm going to read quickly. You can go there if you want, but um, it's a lot of scripture. Revelation, we're going to start at Revelation, uh, hold on, let me find it, 13, 13, 5, and I'm going to read through to 13, 18, and then I'm going to jump to 14, 8, so I'll let you know when I go there. So I'm just going to read through it and, and go through a couple, then I'm going to jump to 18, because there's so much going on in Revelation, it takes a lot of time to go through. There's a lot going on in this book, but it, I'll give you a kind of a synopsis of um, what's going on through what we read. So it says, the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and exercise its authority for 42 months. It opens its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name in his dwelling place and to those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. It was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain before the creation of the world. So we see that all of humanity, everybody in the world is going to fall under this deception unless they are the, a child of God, unless they have the spirit of revelation living in them, right? So it says, verse 10, if anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go, and if anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. It's speaking of men's choices 
Everyone has choices. The Bible says we are in the valley of decision. Multitudes are in the valley of decision, making decisions every day. And so whatever decisions men live by, there are consequences for it, and their choices from going away from Jesus are set in stone because without the Son, there is no redemption, right? So he's saying if, the, if anybody chooses to go the way of destruction, into captivity they will go. If they live by the sword, that by the sword they will die. So he says, this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Why? Because there's tribulation, there's trouble, there's distress. What we see going on now. Verse 11, then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. This is the second beast. The first beast is the, is the Antichrist. The second beast is speaking of the false prophet. And it says, he looks like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. So he's going to seem innocent. He's going to look like a lamb, like there's nothing wrong with him, but he's going to speak like a demon. Okay, and he says, verse 12, it exercised all authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed and performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. So you see that the level of deception we're dealing with right now is nothing like what's going to come. So if people are falling away now, you can imagine how bad it will be then. So that's why I'm saying what we see now is God's mercy, his favor, his grace, because he's allowing darkness to increase so that people can see that they're not as awake as they think they are. Because, he, he, because in Daniel, when it says, those that reject the sun, God's going to send a strong delusion on them. Because God is so good and merciful that he is even giving us a type and a shadow and letting us going through it before we go through it to prepare us. So that when we see these wraths and, and the bowls poured out on humanity, he is just in doing it because he's gone over and over and over in mercy, taking us through life, taking us through these exercises, showing us the darkness. We see right now, people, it's like we're living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Darkness is not hiding anymore. It's coming out more and more every day. And people are noticing it. And it's why those that live by the Spirit are discouraged because they see the increase of darkness. But I want to encourage you, God is sovereign and he is up to something. He is planning the awakening. We cannot have awakening of the masses unless they awake, correct? And there are still people, even with what's going on, that are still sleeping. And so we must be able, as the saints of God, to endure. Remember, he said, this calls for patient endurance on the faithfulness on the part of God's people, because he wants God's people to recognize that we must endure through certain times in order for the greater good. And when we have his heart in mind, when we truly love God, we are able to separate times where we are, have to go to battle. And what I see in this nation and in many other of the developed nations is people have become so blessed, so comfortable that they don't want to fight. They do not want to fight. They don't want to resist darkness. And so Darkness, unfortunately, has taken the fight to them, and it's at our door, and it's not going away. Now, remember, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual. They are mighty for pulling down strongholds. So there's a time for peace, there's a time to tear down, and there's a time to build. There's also a time to do war in the spirit. And see, God is awakening his army right now for people that would have that warrior spirit, that Jesus has many different aspects to himself. He's the lamb, he's the lion, he's also a mighty warrior. And he will not stand for, for a body 
that won't fight for the things that he will overcome for them. He says, behold, I go before you, and I am a consuming fire, and I will consume your enemies for you. But he always required them to pick up their arms and go and do battle. Now, in the Old Testament, it was carnal. It was physical. But we know now we fight a spiritual battle, right? So we must recognize times when we have to buckle down not get so upset that things are being taken away and do war in the spirit. There is an, a, a uh, righteous, holy anger that you can get in your spirit without turning sinful. The Bible says, don't let your anger lead you to sin. But there was a holy, righteous anger that Jesus, when he, when he overturned the temples because of what they were doing, right? So, so there is this indignation that starts to arise in us because there is such darkness, there is such evil, and more importantly, there are people perishing as a result of it. And so we're going to read about that a little bit more. He says, It was given power to perform these signs. It deceived the inhabitants of the, or it, of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword, yet lived. What is this speaking of? Satan is a copycat. He is, he is mimicking resurrection power. He is, it says that the, the Antichrist will have a wound that was healed. See, he's trying to mimic the Christ, but he's the Antichrist. He's trying to fool people. That's why Jesus said many are going to come. There's going to be many false messiahs. And in Matthew 24, it says wherever they tell you to go, if they say go in here, do not go. If they say he's over here, do not go. That's because they are going to be pulling this trick where they are going to be doing supernatural signs and wonders, and people are going to fall for it. And so he says, The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Very familiar scripture, we all know it, but we now see a time in history where this is starting to happen, where you cannot buy and sell unless you do what the world system says. So it is the introduction in the beginning of the Antichrist system that is to come. So God is preparing us for that. And so we cannot get discouraged through these skirmishes that God is still able to have a victory and he's not done with this nation yet. Remember, God chose Israel, but the men of, who, who started this country chose God. That the, we, We're coming upon the time, the time where we celebrate the harvest, Thanksgiving, and the pilgrims, when they come over, they were believers. They were, they were people that believed in the Lord Jesus. And so this nation is unlike any other nation where it, its literal foundation says that they get their, we get our liberties and freedoms from the sovereign God. There's no other nation on the planet Earth that, that declares that they get their freedom from the sovereign Lord. It's only America. And so aside from Israel, but they are believing in another way, right? So, so this is a nation that God is not done with. And a lot of people, when we talk about Mystery Babylon in the Bible, people have prophesied that America is Mystery Babylon because we see the demonic influence. But we cannot allow that to be... There, there is this mystery Babylon that is controlling all the nations as we're going to read. It's, it's what's deceiving all of the leaders. So, so I'll just talk about it for a quick second because it's important. Many of you probably know, but um, you hear terms like the deep state or the deep church, right? Satan, when he offered Jesus to, to sin again and go against what God had called him to do when he brought him into the desert... 
He said, if you bow down to me, I will give you all these kingdoms. So Satan is making the same uh, proposition to the kings of the earth, and they take him up on it. So that's where they get their power from. So we see leaders of government, but those are not the people that the Bible talks about controlling everything. It says the elite, the, the, the um, important people of the world were led away by Mystery Babylon. So Mystery Babylon is the demonic influence that influenced the minds of the kings that follow the world system, that control the world system that is not the kingdom of God. And so that's what we are seeing right now. It's a type and a shadow of this. The reason why I say it's a type and a shadow, because when this happens, when this mystery Babylon falls, it says she will fall in one hour. That we know is the end of time. That we know is when Jesus comes back. So what we're seeing right now is a type and shadow of that, because if it were that, Jesus would be coming back right away. But we know that God still has things to do on this earth. He still is calling forth a harvest, and the gospel says it's going to be preached in all of the world before he returns. So we'll continue on. I'm going to jump down to verse 8. It says, a second angel, uh, sorry, chapter 14, verse 8. A second angel followed and said, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out in full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever." There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image. For anyone who receives the mark of its name, this calls for patient endurance on the part of God's people who keep his commands and are faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a loud voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. So we see again this same Patient endurance. This is, this is the overlying t- um, line that God is using all throughout Revelation when we see persecution, when we see tribulation, that there is a time where we must endure patiently. And we know that the Bible says uh, endurance and perseverance builds character and character builds hope, and it's a hope that doesn't disappoint. So we have a God who's faithful, and it also calls the people that are martyred for for preaching the, the, the name of Jesus or for holding to the faith, they are called blessed. And we see that in the Bible, a lot of times people that are highly favored and blessed, think of Mary. She, when the angel showed up, it said to Mary, you are highly, highly favored and blessed. But look at what awaited her. Uh, scorn from her fellow peers. She was a teenage girl and was going to have to tell everybody that she was pregnant, was possibly going to be stoned for that. She could be stoned for telling people that. Didn't know how her husband was going to react. Then she's pregnant and a decree goes out from Herod to kill all the firstborn. Now a pregnant young girl is traveling across the desert on a, a camel or a donkey, afraid for her child's life because there's an army out to kill that baby. It doesn't sound highly favored. It doesn't sound blessed, but it's what God considers blessed. So we have to begin to change our perspective on what true favor and blessing is from the kingdom. Prosperity is also favor and blessing, but truly what the the, the scent that arises to God's nostrils that pleases him is when the faints endure patient suffering, long suffering, because that's truly what Jesus is. 
And so we, these, these scriptures are intense. They're they're, they're sobering. Uh, we don't hear them preached often because it is, it's almost like a downer when you hear it because it's such persecution. It's heavy. It's people being killed for their faith. But I'm telling you, that is not the end. When we live with an eternal spe- uh, uh, perspective, we don't live like that. When we live knowing that even the sufferings that we endure, God is going to reward us for those things. So nothing goes to waste in this life. And God calls those people that were, were martyred, highly favored and blessed in the kingdom. So this is coming to the end. I'm jumping over to verse 18. And it's, uh, sorry, chapter 18. It says, after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With mighty voice, he shouted, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for our demons and a haunt for every impure spirit a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. So we see that this demonic kingdom is where all the unclean spirits are coming from. It's where all the demonic activity is coming from, and it's where all the nations are being led astray from. And it says, all the kings of the earth committed adultery with her. Adultery signifies they are prostituting with the great harlot. They are having an idolatrous relationship when man was created to have a relationship with God, that, that, that the Lord God Almighty is our husband, is our bridegroom. And so when these people leave that relationship for excessive luxury and wealth is what it's talking about, that they are committing adultery with them. And so this is how we see the, the, the last days Babylonian empire leading people away. It's through prosperity. It's through good things. But that does not mean that God is not going to prosper his church because we decree and declare what the word says and the word says that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen this great transfer of wealth and it is going to come. Verses in Isaiah where it talks about that, that the desolate woman needs to spread out her pegs and make her tent big because it's going to be more than, than the one who is married. That's speaking of the Gentile church, that there's going to be an explosion so big, we need to stretch out our tents. And see, that's the moment we're at right now. So it's not a moment to be discouraged because we see things happening. And many people will say, uh, you know, but I don't understand. There's, how could God be uh, uh, doing something here when, when there's people dying and there's so many bad things happening and there's so much deception? But see, that's going on all the time. It's just in your face now. See, this darkness has been here all the time. God's just revealing it now. And, and that is what's bringing an awakening. I remember Donna Milham preached here uh, some many months ago. And she said by the Spirit of the Lord that awakening or revival is coming, but it's going to come one of two ways. It's either going to come through fasting and prayer or tribulation. And yet here we are. And so I just have this burden in my heart to prepare the body and in, in encourage the body of what God is doing, but also to prepare for the patient endurance. Because there, there, remember there was 10 plagues when God was breaking them free. And God is breaking us free right now. He, see, what he's revealing is that we are already in Mystery Babylon. Not that America is Mystery Babylon, but that Mystery Babylon has been after America because of what God wants to do. And so God is revealing that now. And some people are thinking, oh, we're going into captivity. No, no, God's taking us out of captivity. But there needs to be people that read the word and declare the word. Do you know that when Daniel was in, in, cap, in the Babylonian captivity, 
the 70 years was up, but they were still in captivity. It wasn't until he got a hold of the scriptures and recognized that the scriptures said the 70 years were up. And so he immediately went to fast and pray and began to pray for his sins and the sins of the people to ask God, why? Why, why are we still in captivity? And see, all it took is one man to get a hold of what the scriptures say and start decreeing it. And so that's why we need to have an understanding of what God wants to do, not be looking at what the enemy is doing, but by the Spirit, what is God saying he wants to do? And what does his word say is to come? We've, we've heard all the scriptures of the greater glory, that the, the latter glory will be greater than the former glory, right? And that there, there's other scriptures about the latter-day church will be wrapped in glory. And so we are, we are crying out for this fire and this glory that is to come because we know it's coming. Jesus said, the works I do, even greater works will you do. And so there's things in here that we haven't seen yet and that we need to see because it's in the Word. So I stand on the word and decree it over this nation. And so God is looking for people to do that and not be discouraged right now, that we'd be filled with patient endurance. So just a little bit more. He says, the kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven." This is a type and a shadow of what's happening right now. God is calling his people to come out of the world system. And we see right now believers and ministries going along with the world system, making excuses of, of why it's okay. And I'm saying this is going to be the same exact thing that happens when the mark comes. They're going to use the same excuses. They're going to say it's wisdom. They're going to say it's love. They're going to say it's caring. Remember, the false prophet was a, a, looked like a lamb but spoke like a dragon. He's going to sound and speak and look very deceptive. And he's going to lead people into deception. So without the word, without the types and shadows, we are not prepared. So when, when God gives us revelation in the word of what's happening, what's going to come, we are recognizing it. And that's why I have this burden on me when I go around. When I'm here, you know, you feel like you're in another world. But when I go back home, I see it's like I'm in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I say, Lord, how much longer? How much longer? And I pray every day, and I pray, and I go back, and I pray, and I pray, and I pray. And I'm going to keep praying until we see breakthrough, because I know the Lord is faithful, and I stand on his word. So just the, the end here on Revelation, then we're going to jump to Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about how to deal with worry. Verse 23 of, of chapter 18 of Revelation says, that speaking of mystery, mystery Babylon after her fall, her great fall, it says, the light of the lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's important people. So we see that now where the important, the big companies, they're all in line. They're all saying the same things. All the leaders of the nations, they're all in cahoots saying the same narrative. That's where your antennas go up. Because you have to remember that in the Bible, when they built the Tower of Babel and they tried to form a one nation, it was demonic. It was evil. It was evil men trying to go up to God and said, we're going to go up there and we're going to kill him and we're going to build this tower so high to heaven. And God said, we got to go down and, and mess up their languages and separate them. So 
when there's a lot of globalist people that have good intentions and they think the world is just be good if we all come together and they see it in a good light. But remember, Satan comes disguised as an angel of light. And so when we read our Bible and we see that God's the one that separated the languages, God's the one that separated the nations, we know that the one world government is the antichrist system. So when we see people with good intentions, even believers, praising the globalist agenda, we have to wake them up. We have to be bold. We cannot, we cannot wait and be worried if people are offended because we have an opportunity here where God is saying, this is going to bring awakening. And he said, I have not come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword because you cannot have peace when there's deception. You cannot be at peace when people are perishing. You cannot be at peace when your family doesn't understand what's going on. There has to be confrontation with the truth, but in love. It's all about the motive of your heart. But we have to be guided by the Spirit. So the very next verse has been used over and over now because of what's going on. And it says, By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. And in the Greek, that word is pharmakeia. And so we see people using this now because it's exposing what is happening that through that very word, the Bible tells us that through pharmakeia, mystery Babylon is going to deceive the world. And so it's in the Bible, it's right there, and we see it as a type and a shadow of what's to come. And as God begins to pull back the veil on the darkness, which is what I've seen in the spirit over the past two years, it's what I believe in the heart, that God is, gonna, is just going to show everybody this darkness that has been hiding, and it's going to shake everything. But God is looking for people that are prepared to love those people because when things begin to shake, people's lives fall apart. And anybody who is not built on the rock right now, they're struggling. They're struggling big time. And so we see people over and over when we're ministering, looking out, reaching out, looking for people. And that's you. You're God's army. You're God's Navy SEALs. You are the people. Nobody else is coming. And so when I look out here, I see the people that God has chosen for this time right now. There's nobody else. You know, and we even have seats empty. That just goes to show you how unawake the world is right now. So you have to ask yourself, how bad does it have to get? So when we ask ourselves and we say, oh, Lord, how much longer? How much longer? How much do we have to endure? We look out and we see the empty churches. We look out and we see people going about their business. The Bible says it will be like in the days of Noah, where people were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. And people are still going out about their business. And so as we see these things begin to ramp up, and as we see things happening in the world, I just don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to think that the enemy has won because it's a necessary process for the awakening we've all been praying for. You know, we've heard the prophecies about the billion soul harvest. It's here. It's here. And we are in the beginning stages of God removing us from this Babylonian system that he is going to destroy. And so I, I keep that in my heart for prayer. And I would ask you guys to consistently stay in prayer over that and pray for this nation because I know that's what God is looking for. He, you know, one person, Daniel was one person. Moses was one person that, that got a hold of what God wanted to do and came into agreement with what he would do. How much more a body of Christ, a remnant, God always keeps a remnant. It's all he needs because he just needs faith on the earth. The Son of Man said, when he come, will he find faith on the earth? And see, there's faith in this house. There's presence in this house. 
That's why I come here, and I feel so blessed to be a part of this body because it's the, it's the tangible presence of God that's in this place. We need the supernatural presence of God going into the future, and it's going to be the deciding factor as we go into these times of tribulation and distress that separate the men from the boys because you cannot just have an intellectual understanding of God and be able to deal with what the enemy is going to throw at you. You have to have the mercy and grace that comes upon you, the peace and the love through an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So he says here, we're jumping over to um, Matthew chapter 6, and this is Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And to be honest with you, if Jesus did it all as a sermon, who am I to take it about? But we just only have so much time, so it's hard to pick from. But we're just going to go through as much as we can, and I'll, I'll try to go fast. But there's just so much good, edifying food in here. It's, it's red letters, Jesus speaking, and we're started verse 22, uh, chapter 6 and verse 22. And I'm reading for the NIV, if anybody is wondering. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, these translations and most translations get this verse not completely accurate. The King James actually has it as close to accurate as possible. It says, if, thy eye, if thine eye be single. So that word single in the Greek is haploose, which means, actually means to be braided together. So how can an eye that is single be braided together. Well, it's a lot like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a lot like the three in one, where Jesus and the Father share the same mind. And so they're intertwined like a piece of rope that is braided together, and they become one, and there's no difference. And so he's talking here in this verse about perspective, your mind's eye. What's your perspective on life? And I used to teach this many years ago that it's what you look at with your eyes and what you're taking in. And it, that is a, a good application. But there's something so much deeper and so much more amazing. Because what you do look at does come into your body. And so we, uh, Romans 6.18 says, submit your members as holy members to the Lord. So our members, our ears, our eyes, our nose, our mouth, and what we use those for, what we, use our, what we put our eyes on, what we put in our ears, the, the Bible says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? So we must be very careful about what we are taking in. And so that's how I usually taught this verse. But as God began to open it further, when you look at the original, that braided together, it speaks, because this verse right here is what leads, it, leads uh an inkling into what he's talking about. He says, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So he's saying, you have light in you, but if there's a braiding together of darkness, how much of that darkness is in there? So you have to remember that when we are born into the world, we're born into darkness. Every single one of us came out of a woman and didn't know how we got here. And, and everybody's been trying to answer the question forever and ever and ever. What's the purpose of life? How did I get here? Where am I going? And it's darkness. It, the mind's been darkened because we know that the Bible says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. So we came from somewhere and God knows us, but we didn't know that when we got here. So we were darkened. And the Bible says, the word is a lamp unto your feet. So if I need a lamp for my feet, it suggests I'm in darkness. So the Bible tells us we're in darkness and those that are still lost are in darkness. So when I receive Jesus, I receive the light because John says the light came into the world and the light was the life of men. 
That light is Jesus Christ. It is the word. When I take that light in, I have a, I'm a new creation, but what's my perspective still? So the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I get saved. I'm born again. I'm a new creation. But my mind has been braided with the world system. And God wants to unbraid it so that we have the mind of Christ, right? So I, I can only do that through the renewing of my mind. And, it, and my, my, as my perspective changes on light, as I see light as it is, the Bible says that in him he is light, and in him there is no darkness. So there's no darkness in him. So if I'm saved and I have light and I have a light perspective, but I still have some of my old thinking from the world, from how I was raised, from my old ways, braided together with my perspective, I'm not going to fully see God as he is. So as I behold him in his word and the Holy Spirit starts to braid my perspective together with the Father, just like Jesus, Jesus said, I only say what the Father says and I only do what the Father tells me to do. And that's what he's calling us to do. And so Jesus tells us when we look at him, we see the Father. And so when we continually look at Jesus in the word, our perspective is constantly changing. That's what the renewing of the mind is. That's why the more mature we become in the word, the more light we take in, the less of that darkness. That's why Jesus says, if the darkness is in you, how great is it? How much of that old perspective is still entangled in your mind? These are strongholds that need to be broken down through the weapons of our warfare, which is the sword of the spirit. So the sword of the Spirit begins to destroy those old perspectives where I cannot see God in the accurate way that he is, which leads me to portray a God that isn't really true. So when people don't have a good perspective of who God is, it's because man hasn't revealed the glory of God yet. So as our perspective changes and we think and act just like God, all of a sudden the Christ in you, the hope of glory comes out and people begin to see who God truly is. And so he's telling us this, and then he, he, he's starting it off here, and then the very next things he's going to talk about all pertain to our perspective. That's why he's, he's saying it in this order. So the very next thing he says is, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, that, that Greek word, there is mammon. You've all heard that. The old theologian said it was a, a deity that controlled money, that controlled materialistic things and leads man away through those things. So he's telling us right after this braided perspective that we all have, he says, you can't serve two masters. So he's saying, you can't have dark and light because you will love one and hate the other. So the mind has to be renewed. It has to. You, we cannot be born again and just stay that way. We have to be transformed by the renewing of the mind, which takes time, effort, and work. That's why Paul says some of you are still babies, and I'm feeding you milk, but I really need to feed you solid food. So, so solid food comes as we mature, and it speaks to the process of, of having our mind renewed. Because when that happens, these masters no longer can control us. The closer we get to Jesus, the less power the world system has over us. And so he says, you cannot serve both. And why, why is that so important? Because I know so many people right now being challenged with this, this mammon, this God of mammon, this deity of man, this spirit, unclean spirit, whatever you want to call it. Jesus, the, the English says money, but the Greek says mammon, which is leading people away and people are bowing the knee. Right now it's saying you cannot buy or sell unless you receive this. 
right? And so people are having to choose which side. And God says, like a Joshua moment, choose you this day whom you will serve. Because the Bible is clear, very clear. And see, what happens is when shaking comes, it's revealing if we have any idolatry in us. It's not that God's angry. It's not that God upset. It means that I need to get on solid ground. Why? Because when we read from Revelation, we know things are going to be much worse. So it's God's mercy. It's, it's his kindness. He's trying to mold us and shape us and prepare us for what's to come. Because many people I know, good people, have said to me, I don't want to take this shot. What am I going to do? And they, and they ask for help on exemptions, and we help people all the time, my wife and I. And it's over and over and over. We get called from people from California to Texas to Nevada because the, the people are desperate right now. Because the God of Mammon is saying, you bow your knee to me right now or you're going to lose everything you've ever worked for. And so this is, and people are saying, I, I, you know, I, it is, it's horrible. It is horrible. But what I'm telling you is God is faithful. And if you build on the rock, he will provide. It doesn't mean we're always going to be in this great prosperity at every moment, but that he will restore whatever the enemy's taken sevenfold. Remember Elijah, when he was locked up in the house during a time of famine, the famine was still going on. And even when he was sent to, to stay by the river, when the famine was coming on, he had water and the birds brought him food. He wasn't living, you know, the, the great steakhouse down on the corner. He had whatever the birds brought him, but God protected him for a time, right? But so we cannot like squabble. Oftentimes I, you know, because I'm in a place where God's been shaking everything around me for, for pre preparing me for what's to come. And as I begin to lose all those things that bring comfort, I start to get uncomfortable. But I know God is is building a solid foundation so that whatever comes, the enemy cannot touch me. Because as those things fall away, I realize I don't need them anyways, Lord. I'm, I'm keeping it in the day, and, and I know you're faithful, and I know I'm believing you for the promises you have, and I know it's going to come, so I'm going to stay in faith. And you just keep it in the day. And, and ironically, this is the very next thing Jesus says. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So God's telling you how valuable you are, but it's ironic that right after he says you can't serve two masters, he goes into this passage because he's saying, hey, you're going to be challenged by mammon. Mammon's going to come to your door one day and ask you to bow. And, and he's saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't, what's he saying? Don't worry about the basic necessities because I will take care of you. It doesn't mean everything's going to be peachy keen and you're going to be like at your best state, right? But we know we're not going to stay there. Why? Because the word says there's a time to build. There's a time to tear down. So we know there's seasons of life that God is going to take us through and that he has a purpose. And Peter says it like this. Don't, when you suffer these kind of trials, don't think it's unusual that your brothers all around the world are suffering the same things. And so he goes on here and he says, this is interesting, verse 27. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So what does it do? It doesn't do anything. It reveals a lack of, of faith in God. And so I, I love this when the Lord showed me this the other day. You know, people always ask about the fear of the Lord, and they say, I don't get it. You know, why are you going to fear God if he's love? But if you just take that word uh, fear out and you replace it with worry, worrying about the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because what people worry about proves what's important to them. 
See, what you give your mind over that you worry about the most reveals in your heart what is most important to you. And so what God is saying is when you are worried about what I think more than everything else, it's the beginning of wisdom because now I can begin to ask you to do things and you will do them in faith and you will trust me and you won't have to worry. So he says, verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See, I'm oh, sorry, I already did that. We'll jump down. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, that's kind of like, it's like a piercing sword when he says that, you of little faith. Because we all can relate of being in tough situations where we're worried. You know, I've been worried. I, I've been in seasons where things are not going the way I want them. It doesn't look like the bills are going to get paid or something bad is happening. But God is training my heart. He's showing me his faithfulness. How can he show you his faithfulness if he doesn't bring you through a test? There's no testimony without the test. If you don't overcome through your test, you have no testimony. You have no witness of Jesus. Nobody's going to care what you have to say. So you have to endure in times of faith so that God can reveal his power and his glory through you so that you will be a witness to other people. Amen. So he says, so verse 31, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. He knows it. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, that's the answer right there. It's in the word. It is written. When he, when he writes it in his word, you can hold him accountable to it because he's faithful. He says, all these things are going to be given to you. So when, when it looks like it's not, what do I do? I get in the word and I proclaim the word in faith. And I keep doing that until it becomes a reality in my life, until I see the manifestation, until I see the breakthrough. That's what our prayer lives look like when we're in times of distress. And so he says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. So he's showing us about perspective, that the pagans, their perspective, their mind's eye that is darkened is led away through all these things. It's the driving factor in their life. It's the... It's the uh, pathway to success. It's my retirement. It's what I'm going to do, what vacation, what I'm going to do through my life. It's all a darkened perspective about self, and it's the way Mystery Babylon is going to take people captive. So that's why we have to change our perspective and let Jesus and the kingdom be the first thing that we do. And God's saying, he's so good. If you live that way, I know all the things that you're after. I will bring them into your life in due time when you are in maturity for it, and it will not be a detriment to you. So we've got a little bit more, and it's just really good. I mean, we could just preach all night. How many people know uh, Paul preached till midnight, and then the, baby, the, the young boy fell out the window and died. He went out and resurrected him, came back, preached till the sun came up. I'm like, well, that's a, that's a service I don't think will go over well today, but I'm, I'm in for it. I'm up for it. We, we need, see, see, I really think that when the power of God comes, you won't be able to get out. You won't be able to leave because there'll be such a presence that you, you, you don't want to leave. Who wants to leave? When God's presence comes, you don't want to leave it. So jumping over to chapter 7 and verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is one of the scariest verses in the Bible. Just hearing Jesus say, I never knew you. John 17, 3, that this is eternal life, that you may know him. I quote that verse so, so much in whatever I do because the Lord is has burnt it into my heart that knowing him is how you get to chapter six of the other verse where he says, seek first the kingdom of God. When you know him, you're going to seek his will. You're going to seek his kingdom because you're going to know his love in such a way that it dominates everything else. So people that are living in the pagan system that are being led away, it's for a lack of knowing who God really is. And they will never know him if it's not for the body of Christ to reveal it to them. That's why it's such a weight and responsibility of what God is calling us to in this hour because there are so many people that God wants to awaken, but he also needs people to be ministers. He also needs people to have testimony. He also, and you don't have to have uh, some pedigree. You just have to have a relationship with Jesus that is tangible that you can share with somebody else. It's, it doesn't get weird. It, does, it doesn't have to be a big 10-point sermon. It's just talking to people and showing love to people when they're in distress. It moves people more about what you do for them than what you say. And then, and then as what you do for them begins to open doors, then they start to listen to what you have to say. So he says, 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And can I tell you, this is what we are seeing right now. We are seeing... God going into every aspect of society and shaking everything that people have put their trust in. People are building their houses not on the rock with financial security, my retirement, or what I'm going to do, all these things, or, or the su success of my career, which is my identity. And then what happens when that gets challenged? What happens when your financial security gets challenged and you don't have it anymore? The winds start to blow and the building begins to shake and it starts to come crashing down. But how, how many know that it's so good that the Bible says his mercy endures forever and that though weeping endures for a night, joy comes in the morning. There is always mercy with, with the Lord that even people that have, have been doing this God is opening doors right now through his people to bring them in onto the foundation. And that is us. That's us that we need to be the ones that understand what the foundation is. And even in my own life, God has been pruning and taking things away, as I said, so that my foundation is, is secure because I truly believe that we are going into that time where the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Where as the revealing comes, God is going to overtake uh, this kingdom, this Babylonian empire, and take the wealth away and give it to his people. But it, it gives you insight into why we need to go through this tribulation right now. Because uh, my wife and I, she works for you know exercise company and we help people with fitness and we just got this new bike and we were all excited about it because like a peloton got the tv and i'm like i get on it to try it out and she's laughing filming me when i'm not looking and i'm starting they're like 
telling me to, you know, turn the knob up. And I'm like, whoa, I haven't driven a bike in a while. And as I turn the knob, it's getting hotter and hotter and, and I'm sweating and it was really difficult. But I, I started to get insight because a lot of the things in the natural are like the spiritual. As the resistance is turned up, I start to get stronger as I use it more. But how many know it's really uncomfortable? How many people know I want to quit? I don't want to keep doing it. But the more I consistently do it, I get stronger and it becomes easier. So if you have that picture in mind, it's like God right now is turning up the resistance on the world. And those who embrace the discomfort will get stronger. Because as you start to go through difficult circumstances and you rely on God and he proves himself faithful and he supplies grace for every need that you have, you get stronger in the spirit. Your spirit man gets bigger and you start to mature in the spirit like what we were talking about, about the difference between milk and solid food. And so the more you can handle in the spirit, the more God will be able to use you in life. So when we change our perspective, what we started with, and we look at it from that perspective, and we understand that things that we're going through are serving a purpose. It's because God has something so big in his hand that he wants to hand out, but he's got to get us in a place where we can handle it, both financially and his glory. Because how many know when the glory came, it was very a serious moment? In the, in the book of Acts, New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit, right? That's New Testament. That's not Old Testament. And so there was such a glory and a presence and holiness. In order for God to come that close, there has to be a purification of the bride because it's, it's, there's a great responsibility of it. And God says he's going to do it. He says he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And we are a company of people that are pursuing that and also a group of people that God has called to carry it. And so these scriptures are the very foundation of, of being able to do that, and it encourages us. So this is the last one I'm going to do, and we'll end there, and we'll transition into ministry. This is a verse in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul is um, talking about being purified by fire. It's chapter 3, verse 9, going to 15 says, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Now, remember, in the last Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking about houses, and now we're talking about buildings. The building is the house of God. It's the church. It's you and I. The Bible says we are living stones. Each one of us is a living stone in the church that makes up the building of God that we call church. It's not a building. It's us. It's the people. And so he's talking about the building here, and he says, you are God's field. You are God's building. Verse 10, by the grace of God has given me, I have laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay any other foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light, and it will be revealed with fire. What day is he talking about? He's talking about the coming of the Lord, the great day of judgment. He says the day will bring it to light. Why? Because when Jesus comes, it says the sun and the moon will not give its light. You know why? Because the sky is going to be rolled back, and the, the light of man, who is Jesus Christ, is going to shine bright in the sky, and it's going to reveal all things, including the motives of men's hearts. So it says, it will, whatever you do, it will be revealed by the day. And it says, 
will we'll bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what was built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as only as one escaping through the flames. So we see here that there are things that he, he uses to build with. He says silver, gold, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. We know that wood, hay, and straw would be consumed by fire, right? So these signify the things that we are doing for ourselves. These are the things that are not eternal, that are not going to pass through the fire. He says only the gold and silver. The gold and silver are the things we're doing for the kingdom, which Jesus was talking about when he said, seek first the kingdom of God first. And so when we seek that as a motive and we are seeking with love for the king, these are things that are eternal, including the sufferings that we endure. These are the things that are going to pass through the fire that are setting up your 401k for heaven. How many people know everyone sets up their future here on earth and they spend very little time preparing for what's to come? When that is the real life, Jesus talks about entering into him as entering into life. And people think this is all there is. You hear things like live your, life, your best life now, you only live once, have fun. These are all lies of the enemy to get you to focus on the here and now, the, the things that are imminent rather than the things that are eternal. And what's unfortunate is the more time we spend on those things, we are losing out on our eternal reward. He says, it, it, if, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer a loss, but yet will be saved, still going to heaven, even though only as escaping through the flames. I don't know if any of you have ever been through a fire, but my house burned down when I was 20 and we lost everything. And I remember going there, you know, you wake up the next day, and you ever sleep over someone's house, and immediately when you wake up, you're like, oh, I can't wait to go home. And then I stepped out, one step out of the bed to go home, and I realized I had no way to go. And it was a horrible feeling. And so I went there, and everything was ruined. Nothing was salvageable. Clothes, pictures, it was horrible. And so when you go through a fire and you lose things, yes, getting to heaven is, is amazing. But Jesus in the scriptures tells us there's so much more. And so we, again, we have to change our perspective and have an eternal perspective, and take very seriously what God has put before us. Because he's, he's given us those parables about what he's given to his workers, that he expects a return on his investment. God has placed an investment in every single one of us. He doesn't show partiality. Yes, he gives more to some, but he expects more to who he gives it to. So whatever you have, you're not handicapped. You can get even more with what you have. And what you use, the little that you use, God will multiply and give you even more. But if we let this world system come in such a way in our lives that if we are not looking at the severity of the moment and the, the weight and gravity of this whole picture, we will get carried away very quickly into these other things. And God just wants to make sure that we're not doing that because he really does, he's into rewarding. If you, if you read the Bible, there's rewards. He talks about it all the time. Revelation 22, 12, it's one of my favorite scriptures. He says, behold, I am coming soon and I bring with me my recompense, each according to his deeds, whether good or bad. So he's into bringing rewards. And so I'm just gonna leave that with you and we're gonna transition into ministry. But I hope that this was an encouragement and a blessing to get refocused, not on what the enemy is doing, but what the kingdom of God is doing and about to do. And that we would hunker down in prayer in this season and keep believing God in faith for what the prophetic voices have proclaimed and for what the, the word of God has proclaimed. 
So, Lord, we just pray that right now, and we'll, Victoria is going to come up, and we'll transition to ministry. But, Lord, we just pray that right now over this nation. We lift our prayers up to you. We lift our hearts up to you right now in Jesus' name. We pray for this nation. We decree that the wealth of the, the wicked will be stored up for the righteous, that you are doing a work in this nation, that you have called this nation to be a light to the world, Lord, that you have called your people to be those that would rise up in a time of battle, that would not shrink back, that would not turn away, that would pick up their shield and pick up their sword and begin to fight the enemy in the spirit, that people would begin to be called to fasting and praying and decreeing what it is that you're, you're going to do in this earth and in this nation, that we would have a heart for the lost, Lord. We pray for your spirit to come in Jesus' name. Now, even now in this house, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would come as we begin to focus on you. Just close your eyes and begin to focus on the Lord, that this is a time right now that you recognize the severity of where you are at in the history of the world, in the history of the church that God has placed you here for this very time, that he has purpose for you and that he's calling you to a deeper place with him. That this moment right here, when we come into a house that houses the presence of God, you have an opportunity to come and meet with the king, to have a supernatural encounter where he begins to pour out power and grace to enable you to do the things that he's called you to do. So as we just sit here and worship the Lord and we ask his presence to come, just close your eyes and focus on the Lord and, and as if you're the only one in the room, that this house is family, that the family of God is here together. This is where we, our wounds are healed, where things are broken off of us, where God begins to heal, heal us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Just begin to bring the things before the Lord that are on your heart. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. We ask you to touch your people, Lord. Begin to empower your people. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit that if any of you feel the Holy Spirit coming upon you, we're going to give the room for the Holy Spirit to do what he does. If any of you feel a presence of God coming on you, you're welcome to come up the front and, and receive prayer. You know, sometimes... It takes hunger and it takes waiting on the Lord that the Holy Spirit is looking for hunger in the room. Sometimes it just takes courage of one person and then everybody runs to the front. But the Holy Spirit is the one that does the work in this house. He's the one that searches, searches minds and hearts and he's looking to pour out his spirit. I remember a time when I hadn't received a baptism of the Holy Spirit and I didn't even have grounds for it. I didn't even have a landing strip for it. And the first time the Holy Spirit began to come on me, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even recognize it. And so the second time when I, when I started to understand what it is to have a baptism of the Holy Spirit, everyone else was getting touched and I wasn't. And I was getting desperate. And I was the last one there. And I just felt like, God, I, I, I just don't know you like that. And I want to know you like that. And somebody came by and just touched my finger and prayed. And I'm thinking, that's it? It, just, it was just one finger. And they walked away and nothing happened. And so I just got so desperate. I, I began to weep and cry. And I said, Lord, I surrender. I surrender everything. I just want you. 
And it was at that moment when nobody else was there that I felt the presence of God come. And I felt something grab my hand and I opened my eyes and the person that was praying was long gone. There was nobody there. And it was like the Father was dancing with me. I could feel a presence holding my hands, supernatural. And from that point on, the presence never left me. So when I go into prayer now at home, that tangible presence is always there. It's an opening. It's a breakthrough of the supernatural. So I'm telling you that there is, there is room if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you're hungry and you're asking God, I, I welcome you to come up. But no matter what happens, never stop believing. Never stop chasing God because God is the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. All I can do is pray for you. But the Bible says there is one coming greater. John the Baptist said there's one coming greater than I who will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. It is Jesus Christ himself that baptizes. We cooperate with him in the Spirit and we lay hands on. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come upon your people tonight and touch people as they come up as they get hungry in their spirit for the time they are living in right now, Lord, that you would call people up to receive your presence, to receive whatever it is that they need that you know, Lord. We're also going to ask anybody that needs healing. For your spirit. 